All right, everybody, welcome in to the College Rugby Wrap-Up Podcast. We're not going to say what number it is. We might get in trouble, uh, but it is an episode. We're back again. We're back again uh, after our episode last week. It is I, Zach Lanning, along with Colby Marshall, who joined me last week. And we have with us now, uh, you know, Prodigal Son has returned. Uh, Josh Resio joining the pod. Josh, welcome in. How do you feel? Yeah, I missed it. You know, uh, we're not recording at an early morning, though. So, you know, the light's out, so my face looks better. But uh, I'm happy to be back. I was I was missing college rugby. You're, you're such a you're such a Cali pretty boy. Yeah. Well, I'm flattered, you know, and but, for uh, the audience that cannot see Josh Rescio is sporting a San Francisco Giants hat at the moment, a baseball team that is disgustingly two games under 500 in the <laughs> National League. It's no, really no competition really to my New York Yankees. <laughs> oh, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say it's tough for the podcast listeners to see how the light uh, is improving the, uh, the the ambiance here, Josh. But we're glad to have you in, regardless. You, you know, you're wearing a San Francisco Giants hat. You're not wearing any sort of Iona gear at all, from what I can see, Colby. Do you see any Iona gear in, in, in there I at all? I don't see a Gale anywhere on his shirt, so we have a problem. Uh, <sighs> Well, I'm, I'm waiting for Iona to ship me some gear um, or, or give me a link to a team store somewhere. Not, I'm thinking a scarf. You you're not that important, it. Josh. You're not that important. <laughs> you got to come to us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll have my people contact your people. <laughs> Last pod, we said the, the the backup option is Michigan gear, Josh, that I have that I'll lend to you. So I don't know what's worse. That's uh, that's a dangerous road to go down. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. That um. I don't know. That's that's too harsh. Well, we've got a great show in store for everybody today. Uh, we're going to be talking about previous MLR drafts and some of the, you know, some of the trends we've seen, some of the, the uh, kind of interesting uh, highlights that you can kind of point out from. There's only been two, and again, we, you know, I'm not a numbers guy or a stats guy, but I I recognize that two does not necessarily make you know an amazing sample size for things. But there's some pretty interesting things you can kind of pick up on what teams are trying to do, how MLR teams are approaching the draft, handling drafting these college guys. Uh, so we're going to dive into that as well, all ahead of the you know the the full broadcast of the draft on August 18th. But first. I want to get into some news, guys. Um, and luckily, we had some draft-related news this week. MLR put out the official draft order. Um, so what do you guys think about you know what we're looking at here? Three rounds again um, and some interesting interesting combinations of, of picks here from teams. Yeah, I mean, D- Dallas is going to field half a team. And <laughs> Nola is going to pick three times in the top ten. So it's, it's going to be an interesting draft. I think a little bit different than maybe what we're used to in other sports. But um, it's... Sure, going to be filled with excitement. Rugby ATL's got two top ten picks as well, uh, towards the uh, towards the tail end of uh, the lottery, I guess you could call it. They landed with back to back at nine and ten, and Dallas has picked first in every draft uh, ever. So, which is which is pretty exciting for them. And you're right, Josh. They they have enough picks to basically field an entire back line, uh, if not a full you know full fifteen or close to it. Um, but you know, they picked pretty well. I think they've had some decent selections. They always have a lot of picks. Uh, I like what they've done. Um, Nola with, with a bunch as well, who I'll get into this a little bit later, but have been very savvy drafters. So maybe they're leaning in a little bit, uh, you know, to, to kind of stocking up on some homegrown talent. Cause they have a good eye for it. Somebody who doesn't apparently have a good eye, or at least doesn't really care about this at all. LA with zero picks in this draft guys. Uh, what are our thoughts on that? <laughs> 
you know, LA is a team. I feel like they don't really like to play the young guys. You could say, like, if you look back to Watson Filikatonga and his stint with the Giltinis, I think he made a couple of appearances for them. Didn't make any starts. It, it is kind of interesting that they don't, um, I guess, look at younger players. This could be unfair, you know, for me in the sense that I don't like LA that much as a, <laughs> any of the sports teams. But if you look at all the sports teams in LA, they don't really care about drafts. They can kind of, most times they kind of take the personality. It's like, we'll just get whoever we want. <laughs> you know, we're going to bring them in. Uh, forget about the drafts. You know, we'll, we'll take on cap space or whatever it is that Nola Gold's trading over to them. But um, I'm not surprised. If there was any team in the draft that wasn't going to have a draft pick, I'm totally not surprised that it happens to be LA. Yeah, that they you did mention that trade. Um, and to be fair, LA did trade for DeMonte Noble last year, who is, you know, a standout kind of American college talent, but I guess a little bit more proven than sometimes what could be a crapshoot in, in the draft um, if you don't have the scouting resources. Um, but that's one of the reasons Nola Gold does have three is because they did trade uh, one of their their top picks there at the sixth pick. Uh, they took LA's pick from there. Um it's interesting to me, top five, I guess we could run through Dallas, Old Glory, NOLA, Utah, and Toronto, you know, definitely teams that could use an, an infusion of talent. Um, do you think there'll be any surprises kind of in that top five or do you, uh, you see these teams kind of going chalk? I mean, do you think Toronto is going to take another Canadian player? I, I have my good money on that is that they go Canadian for sure in the first round. They might want to switch it up this time around. It's possible. It's definitely possible. And I guess – a question, right? Like how, how certain can you be in these drafts that the top five people that you pick were actually the top five people in the draft? You know, we're not, I don't feel like we're at a place yet where we're able to so easily say, yeah, these are the best people. Right. So it's kind of, I don't know. <laughs> not at all. And back to my point a little bit about Watson, he's one of many draftees that, you know, haven't been giving a lot of opportunities uh, at this point from, other squads and it's honestly nothing to be ashamed about i mean it's 2022 we're two years removed from the first draft like these guys have long long careers ahead of them i know watson's uh pursuing you know a professional career outside of the mlr right now but they have long long careers ahead of them and uh there's so much time like like you said josh we can't uh be so quick to jump to conclusions about these players and you know we really don't know who the best players are going to be until we look maybe like five, 10 years down the line from now. Yeah, I think um, that's a good point. And I, I think we'll talk about it, about it a little bit more when we get into our, you know, breakdown of this year's draft. But when you talk about, you know, immediate impact guys, there may be one or two, I would say probably each draft, like from what looking back on it, you know, it, it a lot of teams take a, a very long approach and it'll have guys play in their academy sides forever or kind of, you know, sit behind guys and and hold a bag at practice. It's something that Brendan Shea talked about in our last episode, like whether or not that's really good for them or not, I don't know. But, you know, it just guys aren't ready, I don't think, to to kind of hit the pro level at full force um, unless they're really, really special talents. Like I think Connor Mooneyham for sure was pro ready, you know, and, and other outside of that, there really haven't been, you know, some of the top picks. I, I think uh, Naposky got to play a little bit last season because Dallas just, you know, they were, they didn't have anybody else on that squad. I mean, he was pretty good, but was he ready? I don't know. So it'd be interesting to see kind of, you know, how many true kind of immediate impact guys we see this year. Uh, but, you know, we can, we can talk about that more as, as the draft stuff approaches, 
couple other news points I wanted to hit, you know, before we get into the, the meat of our episode today. Uh, NCR has appointed Kelsey Thompson as the new women's small college commissioner. So kind of leaning into, you know, uh, promoting the small college game, which is kind of why the reason they got started in the first place. Um, and I think, you know, uh, Kelsey will do a very good job kind of running things on the, on the women's small college side of things. Um, and just a reminder that August 1st, it'll be after this episode comes out, but it was the first day that registration for the NCR season is open now for the next season for players, coaches, referees. Uh, but guys, any thoughts on, on Kelsey Thompson taking over or uh, start of the NCR season? You guys ready for, for some rugby in the fall? Super pumped for some rugby in the fall. I've been missing it. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, shout out to Kelsey. Congratulations on the new gig. I know she's going to kill it. Um, we've been big, I think, advocators for women and their growth in this space on this podcast and on many other shows that we've done, especially with you taking the lead on that, Zach. So um, we're going to continue to keep doing that. Um, and Kelsey Thompson is one of many that I think we're going to see uh, hit the ranks at that level. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were talking about Zach, but I think NCR has done such a good job already of promoting those small colleges. So, you know, see where she can take it from here. I'm really excited for college rugby to get back. I really want to watch more small college teams play. You know, even when we went down in sevens in Nola, we got to watch a couple of games there. It's entertaining rugby. You know, just because you don't have life on your jersey or just because you don't have cow on your jersey doesn't mean that, you know, you're not still quality team. So super excited for the fall. Hope we get to watch more of them play. Um, maybe we'll see more of them on the rugby network or something like that. Yeah, we got to get better about that this year, I think, too. Just a little, you know, looking inwards here on our, you know, side of things, definitely promote some of those those schools that aren't always grabbing the headlines. Um, you know, maybe it's difficult to find game footage or whatever, but uh, there are a lot, there's a lot of great rugby being played outside of that upper echelon. Um, and it's just fun, you know? Yeah, like it's just, it may matter. It's just a fun, the 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 sport is really thriving, I think, in the, at that level, especially because they don't have that pressure of like, oh, maybe I'm going to do this for the rest of my life or, you know, like, oh, I want to make this, you know, what I'm about. It's just people playing the sport that they love it, you know, with their buddies in college. And I, I can definitely get behind that. And look no farther than the New Mexico Tech squad uh, that competed in May Madness as far as, you know, entertaining uh, small college rugby to watch. Uh, talk about a guy like Milan Van Wick on that team. He's one of the players that have showed out, apparently, according to Brendan Che, at the showcase. And so there you go. Case case in point right there. The uh, Proof is in the pudding. Mm. I'd love some pudding. Do you have any? Mm. I have some uh, Greek yogurt. Oh no, that's the opposite. Not even close to the same. That <laughs> like... I would. I don't want anything to do with. Now I'm. Now I'm like. Now I can't eat anything. Well, it's got. It's not the original Greek yogurt. I don't have that at the moment. I have the one with the sugar. Like it's like 14 grams of sugar in it. So it's actually really, really sweet. It's not it's, pudding it's, though. It's pretty man. much like a dessert though. It's it's a dessert. That's like I try going to eat a chocolate chip cookie and you give me an oatmeal raisin cookie. I'm not, I don't want that. That's not what I want. That oatmeal raisin cookies are better. No, God, what? How have I done a podcast with you multiple times and not know I, that you thought that? I do have to agree with Colby. I do. I like prove, I, no. Yeah. If I had to choose, I'd grab the oatmeal raisin cookie. You guys are insane. If you were like, okay, what's the standard thing you picture when you picture a cookie of any kind? It's going to be chocolate chip. That's just the classic. I don't want your raisins are not a, a dessert food. Why would anyone want to put that in a cookie? They are. They're sweet. It's a yeah, shriveled but- up grape. That's basically fruit. It is fruit. 
You want shriveled up grapes in your cookies? The thing about chocolate for me, if I want, if I'm going to eat chocolate, I want the entire, whatever I'm eating to be chocolate. Like I want a chocolate muffin. I want a chocolate, um, I want a chocolate ice cream cone. Like I don't want little chocolate chips in a plain cookie. Like have a double chocolate chip cookie then make it a chocolate (laughs) cookie, man. I don't know anything but oatmeal raisin. You people are insane. We're going to have to, we're going to have to come back to this topic for sure. Um, But first is a little aggressive, but (laughs) that's fair. It's it's hot takes on sports media, man. That's what we got to do. Uh, my first, I want to play a new game that I just made up now for us to play, and it's the next piece of news. I want you to tell me. I'm still workshopping the title, but you know we're gonna roll it. I want you to say "hopeful or not" is what the game show is gonna be called. I'm gonna give you a piece of news about rugby in the United States, and you tell me whether it's making you hopeful for the future or if it's not moving the needle at all, or if you really don't give a crap. Um, the uh, Eagles Impact Rugby Academy teams went over to Ireland recently. They had a, a, a boys' side and a girls' side, uh, U16, U17, and U18, I think. They had a couple mixed teams as well for different games. But they had a pretty good record against some quality Irish sides. Uh, they played Munster, Leinster, and, and Connacht, I think. Uh, and they won. The women, the you had a U16 and 18 side beat Leinster uh, for their first win ever. They really just formed that team recently. Um, and the boys' sides, the U16 and 17 teams beat Connacht. So hopeful or no, guys? Are we? Is this, like, good for the future? What do you think about this? <laughs> the fact that we're getting, I guess, our U.S. Academy to actually uh, go out and play is making me hopeful. I mean, we're talking about a national team that might not even go and try to get a bit at the World Cup. This fall. So I'm just glad that they're going out there and competing. That makes and me winning and winning nonetheless, but Being just compete. Yeah. You know, I want, true. I want, I want us to compete. So yeah, hopefully, definitely hopeful. hopeful. I'm all in on the hopeful. Anytime we get to go out there. I love it. I'm hopeful too. We'll have to monitor their, uh, their games. Um, Cause that, that should be interesting. Uh, and then future college stars probably playing on those sides as well, or current, you know, uh, yeah, probably future college stars at that point. Uh Last piece of news on my end, the HBCU Classic is going to be played in Washington, D.C. this year, previously played in New Orleans and broadcast by uh, somebody you all may know from the Rugby Odds if you watch on Rugby Wrap-Up here, uh, but Gifte Beilu uh, runs that. So Howard University is going to play. Um, that should be a fun event. I'm looking forward to you know uh, going to check that out this year. I have not been to any of those events in the past, um, and I – I think it's great for the game too to kind of promote it at, at uh, HBCUs as well, and I'm happy to see the game grow at those places in the, in the college space also. If I could, can I give like a ten out of ten in regards to hopefulness for this topic? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the game. Going. I, was, I was at like a seven or eight for the last topic, but I'm at a ten out of ten for this. I mean, I think there are various community, uh, various communities around the rugby landscape that don't get the attention that they deserve, and this is just a great, great way for those communities to garner more attention and for black athletes um, in the game of rugby to have more opportunities to show what they can do. And the reality is I was a black rugby player. You know, I was a guy that was told to just go on the wing and score tries and just run. But no, like my coach gave me the opportunity at Iona to be a fly half my second year. You know, not many coaches are willing to do that. Um, with a lot of the black athletes around in rugby right now. And that's just the fact. And uh, so I was grateful for that. And we just need more exposure um, for us. And this is a great way to do it. Can't say any better than that. 
that'll be definitely an event that's on our radar um, going forward this season and, and in the future. So, uh, but let's get into kind of the main chunk of our show here today, guys. We're going to be talking about previous drafts. As I said, there've only been two. Not necessarily the best sample uh, of things, but definitely some things we can infer from from looking at who was picked and and what you know teams strategies they decided to pursue. Um, and so we're going to each give our two top trends that we like um, and do a little discussion and go from there. Uh, so Colby, why don't we start with you? Yeah. So looking at the 2020 draft, one of the things that stood out to me was that there was an even number of backs and forwards selected, and that was a little bit, I guess, surprising when I looked at it initially, I figured it would lean more towards one position group, but there were 12 backs that went and 12 fours that went out of the 24 players from the 2020 draft. Uh, six were centers from the breakdowns of the backs and then blind time. Uh, I'm sorry. Flankers um, led the total for the forward position group. And then in 2021, it was relatively similar. 19 backs were taken to 20 forwards taken overall out of the 39 players that were drafted. I'm really super excited to see that we're going to see another group of 39 players go uh, as opposed to the 24 that went in the first draft. So just shows that we're growing and we're going to, you know, keep trying to get more guys out there uh, to get rookie reps in the MLR. So really, really excited for this year's draft um, after a full slate of rugby in the fall as well. Yeah. I was um, kind of shocked by that Cole, because before I looked at anything into the draft, I assumed my personal like bias from just thinking about it was that teams always went for the explosive kind of, you know, backline athletes like wings, uh, fullbacks in the draft. Cause that's really like, I guess that's what you want to bank on is guys with like really good measurables or guys who just bring a lot of speed or pace to the game. Uh, but to see that they had an even number of forwards as well, which is a position, you know, especially a prop, you need a little bit of specialized skill. A lot of those guys aren't ready to step right in. Um, at that point in, in that major league level, but to see the teams that kind of drafted an even number of both, that was pretty shocking to me. Yeah. I mean, being a back, I would expect more backs to go as well. We're just like the more, the funner group of guys to watch. <laughs> and yeah, like you said, you made a good point about, um, I, I think you want to go after the guys that ex- uh, exuberate the most skill out there on the field. Um, I was going to say it's easy. You just stick them out on the wing and, you know, you throw them a ball and just tell them to run fast, Colby. That's what that was my uh, – as a forward, you know, I, I always uh, marveled at just how, you know, easy it was to play the game out there. All that space you have, you don't have to ruck or anything. You don't have to – you barely tackle. I also – just told okay, you well, he didn't want to be stuck out in the wing, just told to run well, the no, ball. That, that, like, that's <laughs> what doing. <laughs> I don't think he's trying to stick me out. I, I understand what you're saying, Zach. No, Colby's but not fast else, enough anymore. So, oh, okay. Now <laughs> we, we really got Now we really have to race as soon as possible because <laughs> there's just lies being s- just <laughs> spread on this podcast at this point. Um, I'll dust either one of you any day <laughs> of <Whoa>. the week. <laughs> Josh catching strays out there. Yeah, no, uh, Josh no. was a wing. I know you were a wing. I know you got some speed. I'll race you any day, Josh. Doesn't mean I was fast. I mean, but yeah, I'll, I'll go for the race. You know. I, I got some tricks no, up my sleeve. I, I, yeah, I didn't mean Kobe. I, I didn't mean you, you know, you out there. I, I just meant, yeah, it's, it's usually those explosive athletes that are the easiest also probably to pick out when you're watching college film too. You know, like you watch a guy like uh, Naposky at UCLA or, or even Aaron Gray who got drafted in the second round by Dallas just dust people, you know. Um, yeah, like you that, figure. That pops. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. 
I was going to say you figure that will translate more effectively to the next level than uh, maybe just brute force that you see at a college level from a forward because you don't know if uh, they might have that strength to succeed at the professional level. But like if a guy has a great pass, a great boot, that's usually going to translate into the next level uh, as long as his confidence is there and the opportunity is given. Yeah, in my, I'm interested, in my opinion. If I'm, I'm interested to see that'd be a huge thing with Dallas this year. Again, the third first pick they've had. They took two explosive athletes with Mooneyham, who ended up eventually ending up in Austin, and then Naposky. Do they go, you know, third uh, explosive backline player this year, or do they look to pick one of the the forwards, you know, that have stood out this year um, at some point? You know, we'll get into who those the top prospects are later on, but that'd be an interesting uh, tidbit as well. See how they go with that with that top pick. Yeah, and again, there are I'm sure many talented forwards that have been selected in uh, the past two drafts that we just haven't seen the best of yet. You know, they're going to take all these players are going to need some time. And um, I think Sam Gala is a really unsexy first overall pick, but I mean, he's, that's a guy that like, because that to me, that's a guy they passed on in Emmanuel Albert last year at Lindenwood is a similar type of guy that they let slip to Houston. um, And as a second overall pick, like Gala does the dirty work, a leader on that team, second row guy, or, you know, kind of maybe it could be a loose forward at, at the MLR level, but not a super sexy first overall pick. That's for sure. Uh, that's who I'm thinking. Might, might go first, but uh, my, so my point piggybacking Colby kind of off you is don't, if you're declaring for the draft, do not tell major league rugby that you play scrum half. Just don't do it. Do it, put any other position down when they ask you, because there have been zero, like I, I'm telling you, in 2020, there were zero players listed at scrum half who got drafted in that draft. Uh, Patrick Madden did end up playing a few minutes for San Diego at scrum half, but he was listed as a fly half when he declared. And then last year's draft, there were only two players drafted, uh, and they started in the second round with Christian Alvarez going to NOLA. And then in the third round, Seattle took Ethan Scott out of Memphis. So that's three scrum halves who have gone in two years out of a really talented crop of guys. Like, it's not like you know, there are no scrum halves declaring for the draft. Um, I, I've seen, I only have access to the data from the prospects for last year, but there were a, a solid number of scrum halves who declare themselves for the draft. I would say maybe nine or 10 guys who listed themselves as scrum half, and then none of them ended up going. You know, it's it's really the scrum halves you're seeing uh, are guys who get taken in the supplemental draft, like Rugby New York found some really quality scrum halves in Connor McManus and Connor Buckley in the supplemental draft after the, after the draft was done. So again, if you're a scrum half, I don't know why that is. If you guys have any thoughts on that, but do not, do not co- try to come into this league as a scrum half because it's not going to work out for you. Well, I mean, I mean, let's just talk about how we were talking about our earliest point, you know, it's like, or we were talking earlier, it's hard to value these picks. It's hard to value as a top pick. You know, you're going to go for the guy that has that, you know, really standout ability. He, you know, he's burning people on the edge every time. You know, he's got just abnormal strength coming out of college that we can really kind of like mold into other positions. I feel like a lot of times if you pick the best athlete, you can always move them, you know, around the field. So it's hard to go into the draft and say, we're going to go out. We're just going to get the best scrum half at the college level. I mean, the guys playing scrum half in college, it's a totally different game in the MLR. You know, it's, it's, I feel like it's really hard to justify that pick, especially in only three round drafts. That's a good point, Josh. Like the scrum halves have the ball for, like the majority of a, of a 15s match, you know, they're almost a co-quarterback on the field uh, for lack of a better term at this moment. <laughs> but yeah, 
Zach, I do not mean to call you out, but wasn't Ryan Reese selected in the 2020 MLR draft by Rugby ATL, or was that a part of the supplementary draft? And that was that's got to be supplemental because I don't see his name in the um, the list of of players in those two rounds that went. Um, so again, okay. that must be another supplemental thing. I think their yeah their picks um, in that draft were Michael Matarazzo who was a, a number eight in a lock and then uh, John Scotty, who was a wing in a center. Um, gotcha. 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 But again, like, and Reese, I, these are guys like there are talented scrum halves in the States. I feel like, you know, and I think that'll be tested this year, this theory, because there are a lot of really talented scrum halves coming out in this year's draft. Sebastiano Villani from, from St. Bonaventure comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. Evan Conlon from Lindenwood comes to mind, you know, so I, I, I'd love to see if that holds up because these guys are good athletes and I think they have a good sense for the game as well. I mean, is, so is this, is that a position that you, you really benefit from having an international player at, or at least a more experienced player at nine than, than most other positions? If you're a team that's trying to win now, like most teams are with the limited amount of teams that there are in the league, I would say, yeah. Um, there's really not a team that's building for the future at this point. I don't think I could be wrong about that. I don't really see that happening. Like, I feel like everybody started this past year with the idea like, hey, we can go out and win. Even Dallas. But I mean, Dallas, right? You got seven picks. You got four picks in the second round. That's a perfect team where it's there's the opportunity to take a scrum half. A guy that you're going to take and he is going to be kind of like a hold the bag guy or he's going to be a guy that's really just kind of working his way up in your academies, you know, to kind of get him accustomed. And you don't need him right now. If you have that much more draft picks than other teams that are picking, you might as well take the chance and go get a scrum half. Go get the best scrum half in the country um, and let them train. Yeah, agreed. I mean, look yeah. look at what it did for McManus and Buckley in New York, Colby. You know, whenever uh, Andy Ellis was unavailable or whatever, playing fly half or, you know, with injury, they were able to step right in. And they, you know, they learned a lot in that first year, I think. Um, you mentioned it a little bit with uh, with Buckley's development, you know, just kind of having that time to to sit and, and learn. Um so that'd be interesting. I guess it it's similar. Also, just another follow up point with that with locks as well. Second row players do not get drafted uh, that often uh, either. So, you know, that's another only three players in the last two years. So uh, Casey Renaud, Jonah Dietenberger from Lindenwood and Asa Carter. Um, so it, it that's another position, I guess, where maybe I thought that college players would have the that body for you know that's not super technical position at least in my understanding like if you're just a big dude and you can drive that scrum you know why are they not getting drafted either i don't know but only three fullbacks taken in the past two years as well wow that's interesting too i guess that's a little more of a technical spot with the way kicking has involved too but i I, i'm interested in that also that's a tough uh you'd think there'd be more athletes back there I just want to talk in general to kind of go on from that in a sense, right? Is that we enter this year and, you know, one of my points for this whole talk is that we just got to get outside of the life, St. Mary's, Lindenwood, Cal. I mean, you know, all these big name teams that we're talking about that are getting all the drafting because they're the only people that we know of, you know, the collegiate rugby shield, great hit getting to see people from, you know, all these small schools, NCR doing their work to get those small schools promoted. I just want to see in the first round, See someone that maybe, you know, no one has an idea. No one watched one of their games. He's not one of the big name people that we talk about on the show every week, but he's just kind of, you know, an animal when it comes to his potential and his kind of dedication. I think you take a look at some of these smaller schools and you're going to find players that, you know, are going to be able to commit full time to this 
idea of being able to play professional rugby in the United States, where some of these guys on the bigger schools, maybe, you know, that wasn't their plan. So I, uh, I, I feel like this year is going to be drastically different from the two years that we've seen previously, just because there's so much more foundation. We're not in a pandemic where we had to basically draft blinded. It's like, we're, we're going to draft, but these guys aren't playing. We're just going to, I think these guys are the best because they're the best names we know. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think we use all these stats, no scrum halves, no fullbacks, but this year's going to be a totally different draft, in my opinion. Yeah, that would be fun if we look back. We should just show when we're like, oh, all the things we said are wrong. They took six <laughs> in the first, you know, first seven picks, and they just uh, – all these small school guys we don't ever heard of. Uh, that's an interesting point, though, Josh. It, it is um, – there have not been a lot of schools outside of, you know, that that big tier that you think of, that upper echelon. Um, Lindenwood obviously has dominated um, most of these drafts. Uh, and I, I think it, it really – it comes down to also availability of, you know, uh, access to footage or things like that to help them scout. And I think this year, a lot of the guys, most if not all, have put out a, a highlight reel on YouTube uh, for people to watch as well. So if you're interested in some of these prospects, definitely go check those out, uh, get a better sense of these players. But I think that's somewhere where the college game has to help their guys out a little bit. You know, like uh, it's not can't just be word of mouth like Josh Macy calling all the guys at all the coaches at MLR and being like, yeah, these guys are good. This is what they're about. You know, it, they have to help their players out a little bit, especially at these smaller schools and just stick a camera on the pitch and, and, you know, get them, especially if they have somebody who they know is, is special and who can, who could definitely make it at the next level. Like for example, a school that I want, you know, like Arizona state, right. Surprisingly, some great athletes coming out of the collegiate rugby shield. What was it? Uh, Darren Ribbit or whatever, great game. I enjoyed watching him in the Collegiate Rugby Shield and a team that just, I feel like, you know, we don't talk about it all during the year. We don't cover a lot of their games, but they're producing athletes that maybe could compete at the same level as some of these other schools that we talk about all the time. Uh, Colby, what's your uh, second point here? My second, in regards to the the draft. Yeah, what's your second take? What's your second draft? Uh, what, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? <sighs> that's, that's what looking for. Well, at this point, I might have to eat some Greek yogurt and call it a night. Uh, 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 dip your oatmeal raisin cookies into it. Uh. <laughs> um, I guess my second point has to be the fact that we did not see a single Iona College rugby player taken in the 2021 MLR draft, <laughs> which is just mind-boggling to me, first and foremost. Uh, but secondly, I think that might be something that uh, will change this year. Cam DiGiorgio is a big-time player. I'm not sure if he's entered his name out there to get drafted yet, but he's somebody that should be considered. I think he's just finished up, just graduated, uh, his under, got his undergraduate degree at Iona, finished up his senior year, balled out at the CRCs, you know, really was a pillar for Iona reaching the Final Four in that competition. So I think he's somebody that has to be considered this year. Um, after, you know, seeing three of our guys get picked up by teams in 2020. Definitely a letdown to see none of our guys go in 2021, 2022 has got to be the bounce back, bounce back year for the Gale. So, uh, well, if you're going to give love to Iona, why can't I give love to the entire big 10 conference? I mean, we've gotten <laughs> one person drafted. I mean, we got Indiana in the conference They're They're competing with the best teams in the country, you know, yeah. uh, I'm really hoping Brandon Sparks over at Utah can give maybe the Big Ten some love in his third round pick. You know, he, we don't we don't need any of those first round picks. Probably, I know there's a lot of good talent up there, but come on, we got to get some more Big Ten love 
Maybe not Michigan State, but well, I mean, you never know. But, Big Ten's uh, getting some love. Indiana won that D2 um, national championship at May, May Madness. Yeah. Got a chance to catch up with uh, their coach, coaching staff. Got a lot of great guys up there. So um, they're ones to keep eyes on. It's coming. Yeah. And I, I will say, Josh, Penn State sends a lot of players to the MLR. So does Penn that State, You know, we can't uh, we still can't <laughs> include them in the Big Ten. It's not. I mean, it's it makes no sense. But Penn State's <laughs> not a Big Ten team in the rugby world. So kind of they're like they're of. Big Ten adjacent. Everybody, apparently everybody's in the Big Ten now. Even West Coast teams are in the Big Ten. So are USC and UCLA's rugby programs going to move to the Big Ten too? I, I will happily take UCLA into the Big Ten <laughs> rugby. We'll take, we'll bring Penn State in and we'll bring UCLA in. But the be- best game of the year is going to be when they play each other. That would be a yeah. fun one to watch. That'd be something. Uh, best game of the year is Battle for the Midden, Josh. Come on. What do you don't say yourself short? Come on. <laughs> I'm ready for the free promotion today, but you are right about that one. <laughs> I will say, uh, you know, to your guys' points, Iona had a couple players drafted. The Big Ten has had at least one. Uh, you know who has not had a single player drafted in the Major League Rugby in the last two drafts? is freaking Cal, guys. Yeah. Where the hell is Cal? They're premier rugby program in the nation. And they've had zero players drafted out of that program to go into the MLR. The best player to come out of Cal who plays in the MLR now is probably Christian Dyer, who was drafted in the supplemental draft, which I, you know, he did, he did go to play uh, some sevens, I think first, who's playing with the Eagles um, actually taken by rugby, New York in the supplemental draft, but, but didn't join the team that year. And then Sam Cassano, who went last year's supplemental draft to old glory DC. Uh, so Sam Gala, who I mentioned earlier, might end up being the first cow player ever drafted. And that, is that crazy to you guys? Am I, am I like, Am I weird for not, you know, understanding why the best rugby program probably historically in the country has had nobody go to the MLR yet through the draft process? It is surprising. I will say Troy Lockyer was signed by New York after the draft. So even though he wasn't drafted, I think he's probably the best player. I'd put him ahead of Christian Dyer just because he's had more matches under his belt at this point. (laughs) That's a tough call. I, Christian Dyer has looked really good for the Eagles, and he played really well in Houston. Uh, and Troy Lockyer is somewhat injury-prone, and I did watch him throw a line-out pass, try to do it quick, and threw it directly to the other team one game, and I haven't been able to forgive him for that. Uh, that was like a season or two ago, I think. That was just a bad moment for Troy. Troy is an outstanding, outstanding athlete with insane conditioning and an insane work ethic. He's going to come back better, and ever, better than ever from his injury. I'm not knocking Troy Lockyer. I, you know, I understand. I understand. He's a magician. He's definitely been battling. He's the magician. <laughs> no, I get, I, I just, it's crazy to me, guys. I don't know. No, I don't really get it. it. It, it, It is a little bit weird. I mean, it's hard to imagine. There's got to be something behind the scenes that we're missing that they're like, we don't need to draft the cow guys. If we want the cow guys. We'll make them come to our team in other ways. But um, I guess you have to also talk about cow in the sense that they may not have the best athletes. It's just an amazing system. It's such a, it's a system that works so well and is able to dominate time of possession and just destroy teams and score so quickly that maybe, maybe these MLR teams and when they're analyzing players are like, Hey, it's, it's less about one guy on that team. It's more the fact that they play so well together. So I I am surprised, but um, I, I do think there are some better athletes out there outside of Cal that, you know, teams maybe want to take a stretch on more. That's an interesting that's, point. That's a great point. That's a great point, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a system, a system uh, school as opposed to, because uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the standout guys they've had over at least the last couple of years. I know COVID, with COVID was tough. Um, 
Sam Gala came back as a fifth year senior as well after that. So he may have gone last year, you know, without COVID and same with for Jack Manzo, who is eligible uh, for this year as well, who came back for as a fifth year senior. So it's possible that my whole point is moot because these guys could have gone last year if they, you know, if COVID didn't happen, but um, I mean, yeah, St. Mary's has had a couple guys go who've been really good. Um, UCLA, the number one pick. So maybe that, maybe that is it. I guess they're just, and it, it could, it could also be a case where, you know, maybe guys just don't want to make that next step at this point in their career. Like there are other avenues they can take at this point to play professional rugby. Um, so like, maybe it's just something they didn't want to do. Maybe they just didn't put their names in for whatever reason. And that could be, yeah. One of the last thing I will say on that last point is also, it'd be interesting this year. And Josh, I think you've mentioned this in the past as well. Uh, service academies, you know, kind of finally have not had anyone drafted out of the army or Navy before, uh, but our our friend of the pot, our our uh, our good friend Koi Koi Nelligan, eligible this year, could be the first. So that'll be interesting to see. I'll never sorry, just to um, inject really quick. I'll never forget seeing Koi Koi Nelligan at on Bourbon Street in New Orleans <laughs> the night after the last day. Was it the second to last day of the CRCs? We were out having dinner. A couple of army guys come walking in. They're like, "Oh, look at these guys, Koi Koi." <laughs> What's up? He was the only, he was the only one that came over to us, said hello, dapped us up, of course, because we just had him on the show a few weeks um, prior. So, yeah, shout it, out Koi Koi, super cool guy. It is it is funny. It's um you know I guess you could almost call it a controversial topic in the sense that you know these guys are going to the service academies. You know they 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 got they have an obligation now to you know kind of do their time um, to you know kind of serve the country, and now you know they have these avenues where they can go play in the MLR draft. It's a great opportunity, I think, people for it like Koi Koi, who really has just shined in the college game, to be able to have the opportunity to go play professional rugby and you know still you know work on his obligations later on. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Our team's going to take that chance. How's it going to look? So you know, I'm wondering, even though they can get drafted this year. You know, how many are we going to see drafted? Where are they drafted? Um, it'll be a really interesting story to talk about after the draft. He's he's a guy, yeah, he's a guy you want on your team, I think, for sure. You know, uh, if, if without outside of, you know, whatever uh, restrictions you may have um, and outside of the fact that he's out partying on Bourbon Street. Uh, but I think, no, he's definitely, a, a, he was out on a jog, I think. Uh, but he's definitely a great, obviously great athlete, uh, huge, great competitor, uh, huge team guy. So he would be an asset for any MLR franchise that drafted him. Um, it might be Nola who drafts him here, guys. My last point on this one, Nola has really crushed the draft. I think they're probably the the best drafting franchise in the MLR uh, right so far. Um, you know, think of Andrew Andrew Guerra, who, who was their first pick. Uh, I guess their second pick ever. Their first pick ever was Brian Nault at prop, who's actually, you know, playing pretty well, started a few games this year for them. has been a solid contributor, uh, but Andrew Guerra, the flanker, uh, you know, who tore it up in the MLRs first year, got him a surprise call up to the national team. Uh, then he had a knee injury. So he's kind of, you know, been on, on, on the sidelines for a year now, but he's been a great pick uh, George Sharp at hooker as well. Uh, so it, it's, you know, they've had some, they've hit, hit on some guys more than any other franchise, I would think. So just kudos to their, uh, team, Todd Fitzgerald, who's the director of player personnel and Ryan Fitzgerald, who's their GM, uh, down in NOLA. And that might be why you see them have all these picks this year. Cause they're like, you know, whatever, like kind of the opposite of the Rams they are like, F it, let's get all the picks that we can and draft as many college guys in the first round, um, and just kind of develop them. And, you know, we got a good eye for talent. Um, yeah. and I will say the inverse of that 
is Atlanta Rugby ATL who have really, really struggled uh, with the draft process. Just looking at these last two, um, they don't have a single guy who I think is contributing any meaningful minutes for them right now at all. Uh, Michael Matarazzo, their first ever pick is playing in Dallas currently. John Scotty, their second ever pick left to go play rugby league, which is wild. Um, their first pick last year, Isaac Bales was in their pathway program, but he, he had a knee injury. He's been out for a little bit, uh, but hasn't kind of elevated outside of their pathway 404. And then their third pick that year, Sean Aikens kind of rattling around in the 404. Uh, and Colson Warner, who out of, out of Lindenwood, who they picked is now in Utah and looked really good out there. So, um, you know, Atlanta has a few picks this year. Maybe they're trying to play that long game and get guys they can develop in that pathway program. Um, but my main point, I guess, for this guy is, is like, does it really matter? Because look at the team. You know, I mentioned NOLA as a team that's really been successful. And then I mentioned Rugby ATL, who have not drafted well at all. Rugby ATL was in the championship game last year. L.A. has zero picks this year. They've won a championship. Uh, you know, Austin was one of the best teams. They have one pick this year. Rugby New York won a championship. They have not drafted super well either. So does it really matter in the grand scheme of things uh, how these MLR franchises draft? It's go- it, Not yet. We're getting there, I think. But, you know, things like the Collegiate Rugby Shield, um, more information on players is going to get us really quickly to a point where it is going to matter because there's going to be so much information available about players that teams are going to understand who they're drafting and, you know, are going to understand who's going to be the best fit to get them to that championship level. So we may not be there now, but we got plenty of time, you know, to kind of keep this growing. We're only in year three of it. Um, I, it it's hard to say now, but in the future, totally, it's going to be a different story. Yeah. And I think it's great for these young guys that aren't getting, meaningful minutes for these really good teams to be on these really good teams and see what winning rugby takes at this level so that in a few years they can contribute to the same franchise and have them continue to compete for championships uh, with the likes of rugby ATL, NOLA gold have been, have been there. So um, it's just going to take some time. Yeah. Like Josh said, would you guys, would you want to see the draft kind of become, I love the event. You know, I love how obviously I think the events necessary. What if it became more like the baseball draft? where these franchises take these guys knowing that they're not going to contribute or even the NHL where you know, they know these guys aren't going to contribute for a year, two years, three years. We have some sort of, you know, Academy pathway structure for every team where they go and they, they play and they hone their craft for a couple of years. And then you start seeing their names pop up, you know, a little, a little later down the line. I don't know if it would necessarily work because some of these guys are already 23 years old when they're coming into this draft process and on the rugby side of things. But Maybe that, you know, maybe that's the way to go if they don't start seeing some immediate impact from these guys right away. I don't know how much age would have to do with it. I, I feel like rugby players can um, generally play for long, longer periods of times in comparison to other sports. Like, I don't know, a 23 year old playing for the club affiliate of Rugby United New York for a few years until he's 26, 27, he might be in the prime of his career at that point to really make an impact for the team. So I don't know. I don't, I don't see why not. I think that would be a good option. You know, I, I, I was talking to friends about this in 2020, and I, I feel like, you know, one area where MLR maybe missed the mark is the sense that it's great the draft we're doing. Um, it's great that, you know, we're kind of comparing it to other sports. We're doing it that same traditional format that other sports do it. But MLR really had an opportunity in a sport that, again, we saying, we've been saying in all this episode that there's not a lot of information on players 
you don't really need an order. You know, there's no there's no that real way to tell who's the best team in the country. You should have kind of gone out of your way and did something totally different. You know, let teams petition. These are the list of four guys that we want to take in. But, you know, instead of making an order, be like, hey, Dallas has seven picks. Nola has six picks. You know, you come in, you tell us those six players that you want to bring, you want to bring into your team and, you know, do something untraditional. I think, you know, MLR has to find ways, granted it's great that they're growing and they're, they're growing exponentially, you know, off the backs of how other sports have done it in this country. But certain time with this sport, if this sport's going to really have an impact in this country, it's going to be finding those little ways that they can be different. You know, and the draft is a perfect opportunity for that. Um, just because we have such a wide range of athletes, such a wide range of schools to choose from, they don't need to copy MLB. They don't need to copy the NFL. So I hope as more information comes, they also realize that it doesn't need to just be a three round draft where each team has these orders. Um, we can do it a little bit different and maybe it becomes even more entertaining to watch and kind of better to track these players through their career. Well, that's my question, Josh, is how do you, how would you televise something like that? I mean, the reason I think, you know, yes, the draft is great for these players, uh, but the MLR does it, I think, mostly, you know, to try and get some eyeballs uh, on, on, you know, on their product. And the standard draft format is just easier to, to run through as a television product. You know, I, I guess I'm not against your idea. I think it'd be fun to do something creative, but you'd have to come up with a whole brand new way of televising it and then pitch that to networks, you know, who possibly would want to televise that product who are, are used to it being a certain way. If I knew, I would, I would say MLR hire me, uh, but uh, I, I don't know. But uh, at a certain point, you got to be willing to take a little bit more risk. And I think this is like the draft is like a perfect example. I mean, you know, look at the NBA, like moving it right after, you know, we have we're moving it like right after the finals. You know, we're, we're trying to just build up the hype. The NBA is a kind of an organization where it's like they're not afraid to take risk. Granted, they're a multi-billion dollar industry. They, they can take risk because people are going to love them anyways. But same with the MLR. It's like you want people to watch, make it interesting, make it new. Like, don't be. You don't have to always take the traditional route. And I think if you fail one year, it's only the third draft. You know, we're, we're going to hopefully 10 years from now, we're going to look back at this draft and be like, oh, man, that sucked. You know, <laughs> so I, I'd hope. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it will just be cool to see. I just want them to kind of, you know, keep trying new stuff, make it interesting for these players. Collegiate Rugby Shield, I can't say enough about it. It was an amazing experience to watch. So much cool. So uh, I think a great experience for the players. You know, keep doing stuff like that. Keep keep making all these like little things that make this draft more exciting and make it more exciting to watch MLR when the season starts again. Josh, low key, great point, but you low key just tried to get a job with MLR. I, I hire him anyway, MLR. You put him I in a room. That. Hire him anyway. He's on to yeah. something. I'll put my resume in the description of the, <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah, you gotta watch. You gotta listen to the whole thing, MLR. If you want, if you want to hire Josh, <laughs> but he's it's worth it to get to the end it's worth it uh well that's that's all i had guys you guys got any uh any final thoughts here before we uh close things down i think we got we got a pretty good conversation going Happy yeah we talked guys. about some pretty good trends i think in the past two drafts uh i think there are going to be some surprises on august 18th uh in a few weeks so i'm super super excited to see what is in store um for this year's draft uh so i definitely can't wait yeah, got some great, uh, great trends happening. It makes me even more excited for for that draft coming up. We're going to be back again next week. We're going to have a show with our top forwards and backs in this draft. Each of us kind of getting into who we think is going to be that, you know, that top contributor for these teams. Um, until then, though, 
make sure that you follow us on our social media platforms. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Um, make sure that you engage with us in some meaningful way. We're here. We want to talk rugby with you guys. Um, we want to hear feedback about the show, about anything at all. Uh, make sure you, if you want to help us out, you know, make this show more and better. Uh, follow us on our, or subscribe to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash rugby wrap up, all one word. Um, check that out. It's not a paywall. Um, you can get all our main content uh, for free, but we'll have some extra goodies for anybody who wants to help us out on, on the Patreon. Um, but that's it for us. Uh, Josh, we did a fun thing last week where Colby sang uh, at the end of our podcast, sang us out, and I thought it was the best thing that ever happened. So I, I'm hoping he could do that again for us uh, and just take us out on that note. Let's go, Colby. I'm ready. I'm ready to witness. Josh Resio has joined the show today. <laughs> it's the rugby wrap-up, the college show. Hey, hey. Yes, wow. I love it. we're gonna get some great fan mail from that one. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs>